All Sean's right. still wearing clothes from 1980s. They come around. They always Slip come around. Back around. Don't they, Hang babe? in there. Keep them in the closet. Good morning, everybody. We are going to talk about parenting today. And uh, Mike and Mary have an amazing community group. You already got a great parenting tip from them. When it's cold outside, stick the kids in the garage. <laughs> we'll try to give you a couple other bits of wisdom as we go through. We're in this series that Pastor Jose has us on called Let's Go. And the theme, you know, is around Micah chapter four, verse two, where God says, come, let's go up to the mountain so that we can hear God's ways and then walk away in his paths. And that's the track that we've been on. We want to gather together, hear his truths, apply them, and then walk in those ways, scatter out into our community and our world to make a difference. He showed us some concentric circles that show our opportunities there. He talked about community a few weeks ago. How do we kind of gather together and then scatter as community. Last week, I got to talk to you guys about marriage and the family circle. And so how do we do marriage well based on God's principles, not the world's way? And then today, we're gonna stay on family, but we're gonna kind of move into parenting. So I brought the uh, best parent I've ever met in my life along to help me out today. Uh, so Christina's gonna join me up here and we're gonna get after thinking about parenting. Now, the topic itself, I understand. In the room this size, there's some of you they would love to be a parent and haven't been blessed with that opportunity for whatever reason. And uh, so we're sensitive to that. And there are a lot of you that are grandparents now, and I think you'll find something that applies to you in the message. There are a lot of you that are actually parents, should be a lot apply to you. There are some of you that are too young or not ready in life to be parents yet. Well, for all of us, we need to understand first and foremost that we have an amazing parent. God is our Father, and the things that we are going to talk about today apply to us because they're His principles and how He loves us. And then as we think about our grandkids and our kids, to pass those on through so that hopefully we can be good parents for them. We talked about last week how you get to choose. You're going to build your life on the solid foundation of God's Word and His plan. That's what Jesus described to us in Luke and in Matthew in a passage when He talked about the foundation that you build your house on. And you want to build it on something that's solid and lasting so that when the storms come, when the floodwaters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it is built well. Are you going to build your home and your marriage and your family and your kids and your parenting on kind of sinking, shifting sand that the world can knock around and floods and wind can tear down? So that's where we're going to head today. If you choose wrongly, you're going to end up like this guy. A friend sent me this picture. So if you do marriage wrong on the wrong principles, you end up like this guy right here. It says, relaxing after winning an argument with my wife. And he's out there on the patio. Uh, grabbed him a blanket on the way out to cover up with. Uh, we want to build on solid ground and in our parenting strategies, we want to do that as well. But the reality is it's difficult and the world kind of throws us off track and leads us the wrong direction. Yeah, we have had the privilege and God has blessed us with five kids. We have a 23-year-old. She's married. She lives in Lawrence, Kansas, a 20-year-old son who goes to school at UTSA. And then Avery, she would be 15. Her birthday was last week. We lost her. Uh, she was a stillborn. We had found out she wasn't going to make it uh, pretty early in the pregnancy, but we just chose life for her and a miracle. But um, that wasn't what God had for us. She is healed completely in heaven, right? And so she would be 15. And then we were, uh, both of us were heartbroken, and we were like, we just can't do that again. But we just started praying, and God was like, let's just have another one. And so we had the sweet boy, Cody, who is 13 now. He's in seventh grade. 
and uh, we were, our, our cup was full, we thought, and God was just like, that's, here's one more. And so uh, we had an added blessing, Colt Lee over there, who is in second grade. I know, we had our kids when we were 10. So anyway. <laughs> so uh, we were, yeah. yeah, we love being parents. It's one of our favorite things. Yeah. We were headed to family camp last year, and uh, we got together with some friends to brainstorm kind of ways to ruin your kids. We're sometimes sarcastic by nature. We thought, well, how can you ruin kids? Or, and it applies today because it's kind of how the world will teach you to raise kids if you're not careful. So we're going to go over a few of those with you. These are ways not to do it. These are the ways to get your house blown down. Never let them fail. Let them quit if necessary to avoid failure. Blame others when they fall short. Personal responsibility. Do you see it much these days? We don't, right? Um, and that's hard for some of us parents that um, I know whenever I get a phone call, I forgot my folder and I, everything in me wants to run it up there because he'll get a zero if I don't. But sometimes you have to let him get a zero, right? It's, it's called natural consequences. Um, and then blaming others for it, you know, I mean, if you could not pay me to be a coach and teacher in today's society, because it is, somebody fails a test, it's because the teacher didn't teach me right, or didn't give me the right notes to study. It's like, are you for real? That's just, when, I mean, when I was in school, it didn't matter. Like, you were like, you failed it, you failed it. There was no, we didn't, my parents didn't go to any offices, ever. And so, that's just not what society does today. Coaching, playing time. That's always, it's always someone else's fault. Yeah, another way that we can mess our kids up if we go the, the world's way is to um, tell them to do things and then don't make them do it. Be inconsistent with consequences. See this a lot. Just walking around town, you can, you can see it. You're in the grocery store and you see the, the mom or the dad say, hey, hey, don't touch that again or you're gonna get a spanking. And then about 10 seconds later, they say, no, don't touch that again or you're going to get a spanking. And then the third time they touch it, they're like, hey, hey, you touch that again, you're going to get a spanking. I'm like, I think they're getting the message. They're not getting a spanking. And they're not going to stop touching it because you don't follow through on the consequences that you keep giving them. The world does that, you guys. And that's, that's a good way to raise kids who don't respond to authority or your leadership. Uh, one of the other ways the world says is to prioritize your kids and their activities before your marriage. And I'm telling you, this is, we do a lot of marriage intensives, and this is one of the top things. We see so many child center homes, and we will hear people make excuses after excuses. Well, you don't know their schedules and whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That is not your first relationship on earth. It was marriage first. And when we were in college, I was sitting right there with y'all. We were in Denton Bible, and this pastor said to, me, to us, he was preaching, and he was talking about kids and parenting and marriage. I was like, this is so far off, and now it's like here. It's just you're going to blink. It's going to be here. And he always said this. He said, he said, kids, the best way that you can ever love your children is to love your spouse first. And this is such a hard concept to get. I know when we first had Taylor, and it was six weeks after she was born, and Sean planned this trip for us, and I was like mad about it. I wasn't ready. It was the six weeks trip, you know. But it began this thing in our marriage where our kids see that our marriage is first. They see us going on dates, and what this creates is safety in your home. And it creates like, I wanna be married, right? They don't see that very often. They see marriages that, I don't want to be married if that's how we do conflict, if that's how we say we honor each other. And so prioritizing your marriage for your children is a big parenting tool. That's a good one. Another, another way that we can make a mistake is if we don't give our kids any, any menial chores like laundry and yard work, 
pay somebody to do that. Instead, make it your job to entertain them. We get this a lot. I mean, I had somebody not too long ago saying, I can't believe you make your son mow the yard. I mean, you can pay somebody to do that. You could be doing something else with him during that time. No, he could be mowing the yard during that time. <laughs> you know, what well, do you pay him to mow the yard? Yeah, I give him a roof and I give him some food a couple of times and that pays for the yard work. Absolutely. We got, we, we got to teach our kids to work, you guys. They've got to be able to, and it's not your job as parents to entertain them. My parents didn't spend much time entertaining me. My dad would give me a stick and say, go at it, buddy. I mean, find something to do with that thing, you know? But we're in a culture now where we think that's what we're supposed to have to do as parents. Another lie quickly is don't affirm them or show them affection publicly. And that's, that's just a sad, hard one for me. I, I'm, I'm an affectionate person by nature, so some of y'all are like, but I'm not. But I'm going to tell you, children are going to find affection somewhere, Okay. It's just, whether, they, whether you say they're affectionate or not, it will happen. Girls will find it in relationships with guys. Guys will find it in relationship with girls. So be okay, man. Hug your kid. Kiss your kid. Embarrass your kid. I promise it will change the way they see things and the way they see affectionate appropriate, right? Another one, help them see that popularity and physical beauty are the most important things, especially related to their followers on social media. I think we could do a whole thing on social media. It's from the pit of hell. I hate social media. But here's the deal with social media. You have to be in social media with your kids. You, for, Sean's not on social media, and he's like, we don't have to do it. But if we bury our, our heads in the sand, they're going to find it somewhere. So do it healthy. Find how, what social media they want to be on. Talk about why they want to be on it if it's connection, but don't let that become who they are because they're, they're seeing social media and they're seeing everybody else's highlight reels. When their real life looks really boring, they're comparing themselves to people's highlight reels. We do it. We do it as adults. We do it as kids. And so be able to have that conversation with them about social media because it's not going away, y'all. It's not. And Sean always hopes it will, but it's not. It's more rampant ever right now. Yeah, last one, uh, last mistake you can make is don't share your faith with them. Let them figure that out on their own so that you don't put your value system on them. Huge mistake. And for teenagers, I hear it more than you would expect. I, I hear it more for college because, you know, I, I don't want to press my faith on them and they've got to find out their own way and their own thing. Well, you've pressed a whole lot of other stuff on them. Why not press your faith on them while you're at it, you know? You guys, they need shaping. They need to know what you believe and why you believe it. And um, so what we want to do is shift gears and talk about really what being intentional in your parenting would look like to do it God's way, to do it based on his principles on the foundation that's going to last. Because parenting in itself is an intentional act. Anybody can have kids, but parenting is something that you have to be intentional about. Are you really trying to get your kids to grow up toward something, toward a goal? And that's what the Bible tells us to do when it says to train up a child in the way he should go. And then when he is old, he will not depart from it. Training is an intentional act. It doesn't say try to raise your kids. Trying is just something like, I gave it a try. We tried, we tried, I tried to learn to do that. No, training is different. Training is a volitional act that says, I'm going to put effort and energy into doing this. That's what parenting is. You need to train them up so that when they're old, they won't depart from it. Now, we kind of tend to think when they're old means when they're 13 or 14. No, when they're old means when they're on their own, when they're 24, when they're 25, when they're doing life 
out there without you. They won't depart from the truths that you've helped put into their lives while you were parenting. So train them up so that when they're old, they won't depart from Because we used to think it was like 14, 15, 16. If they can go to school and people like them or be popular, we've trained them, right? We've trained them. But I know, you know, growing up with my mom and daddy, I mean, training was a part of it every day. And sometimes I didn't like it, right? I didn't want to take piano lessons at all. But I knew, she knew, mama knew someday I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to want to do that. Right? So we train them. We train them in biblical principles. We train them in integrity. We train them in honor. We train them what does marriage look like? What does being single look like? What does co-parenting look like? All things we have to train our kids in this society today because somebody's going to train them. And it has to be us and it has to be based on the Word of God. So you need to be intentional. You need to have a vision for what your parenting looks like. And we have our own vision. We've been kind of operating on this for several years now. It has four aspects to it. There's ours. You don't have to copy that by any means. You just need to have something. You need to have something you're shooting for in your parenting. For us, it's that. We want to raise kind of emotionally healthy. That's number one. It's two, relationally successful. Three, highly responsible for Jesus lovers. That's the four things we're shooting for as we raise kids. Are we hitting it the mark all the time? Our kids would be the first to line up and tell you we miss it. But we're doing our best. We want them to be emotionally healthy. We want them to know kind of where their value comes from, who they are, what makes them significant, where love really comes from for them. That's the emotional stuff we want them to get. We want them to be relationally successful. Honestly, you guys, if you want to do your kids a favor, help them learn to do relationships well. Because all the other things that we're teaching and training them, man, it's crazy where our culture is going. Machines are going to be able to do so much of the work that's out there in the workforce right now. Machines will never be able to do relationships the way people can. Teach your kids to be relational. And we want our kids to be responsible. We want them to take responsibility for their actions. We want them to be the first one to say, hey, I could have done that differently or I could have done that better. We could have changed the outcome if I had put more effort or energy into it. And finally, most importantly, obviously, we want them to know that Jesus loves them and we want them to love him back. Just a couple days ago, our 20-year-old our plays football at UTSA. Okay, he's a preferred walk-on. So he, he's just a walk-on, which is harder for, I played basketball in college as scholarship and we didn't like people that walked on. We were like, you, 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 you didn't get a scholarship, clearly, you know? So we kind of had this thing. So then when Cade, they offered him a walk-on, I was like, hey, you don't want to be a walk-on, but he's a walk-on. So, and he's doing great at it. But anyway, they got a new coach, and um, so there's about 12 receivers. And so he's one of 12, okay? And, he, and the, the odds are stacked against, not against him. He's not tall, he's not fast. The kid has so much grit, it's crazy, right? And, and so I think he got a lot of that from my daddy. But a couple days ago, he called Sean and he said, hey, you'll never guess what happened. And so his, his new receiver coach, um, there was, they were doing these drills and, and eight drills and one of them was bad. The coach was actually messing up on how the drill was being run. So all the receivers were doing horrible. They were dropping the balls, terrible. And everybody was making excuses. And so the coach came up to Kane. and he was like, son, Bleep, 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 all this stuff, right? You know, that we can't say in church. And so then he says, you better get it straight. I have higher expectations from you. This is not what I expect from you. And of course, Cade, who has heard that from us before, he just said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'll do it better. Yes, sir. I expect more from myself. Yes, sir. The other receivers, that's not what, that wasn't their posture. So a couple hours later, he gets a text from his receiver coach and he's like, thank you. That was... 
being responsible for your actions. Now, the coach that was running the drill really didn't run it right, and all the other players were telling that coach, well, he wasn't, we, we, he was making us look bad. And not that that Kate has done that because that's probably one out of one million that he's done that right, <laughs> but in that moment, he did it right. Why? Because we trained him. You, we want our kids to be highly responsible for their actions because their actions affects. And also, secondly, people are watching you. People are watching you as a little kid. People are watching you as a middle schooler, as a high schooler, responsible Jesus lovers. We want our kids to love Jesus deeply. If they get nothing to their core, Jesus lovers. My parents did that so well, but I did go to college and I kind of went crazy. And people asked me, why do you love Jesus? And I couldn't tell them. And so we want to navigate and train our kids like, why do you love Jesus? Not because we go to Cypress Creek, not because you're in community group, but what does the Bible say to you? And why do you love Jesus? And sometimes that's hard. And we know people in this room that their kids are wayward. But it does say that they will return to you if you train them in the way a child should go, right? And that's what parenting is about. Sean talked last week in Proverbs about where there is no vision, the people will perish. It's the same thing in parenting. If we don't have a vision for our kids, the world will. And so as parents... Co-parenting, single parenting, you can have a, a vision statement for your kids. So you want to have a plan. That's a biblical principle. The second biblical principle to build your parenting on is the fact that we need to be age appropriate in the way that we treat our kids. It takes different behaviors at different stages of our kids' lives from us as parents. And one of the big mistakes that parents make is that we're still treating kids with a behavior that should have worked between age three and four years old, and we're using it on them when they're 13 or 14, and they've moved to a different developmental stage. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians 6, 4, Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. See, God knows as He parents us that He treats us different when we first come to know the Lord than after we've been a believer for a long time. He treats us different when we're young than when we're old. We have to do the same thing in our parenting. We have to recognize the stage of life our kids are in, and we have to behave accordingly. What does that mean practically? It means that as they get older and progress through developmental stages, our behaviors need to change. So when they're first born, zero to five, parenting is really about control. You need to control their environment. You need to control their actions. You need to control what they eat and when they eat. You need to control how, you know, when to change diapers. That's a huge part of parenting from zero to five. That's what you need to be doing. When Cade was little, he was an infant, and Taylor was three. Um, Sean, I don't even remember where I was, probably just still figuring out that I just have two kids now, and what did I do? And so he went to the door. The doorbell rang, so Taylor... Uh, Cade was sitting on the couch and Taylor was there and Taylor, Sean said to Taylor, hey, I'm going to go answer the phone. I'll be right back. So and I actually said, watch your brother, but don't touch him. Okay, watch your brother, yeah. but don't touch him. And I go to the door and I come back and Cade is missing. And I'm like, where'd he go? And Taylor's like, I'm like, well, what do you mean? You don't know. And she's like, I don't know. And I was like, weren't you watching him? She goes, I don't know. And she was cute and three and my daughter. So I was like, okay, cool. So I was like, I guess he'll be all right. Maybe mom came and got him and a few minutes went by and I was like, wait, mom's not even here. Where'd... So I'm looking around, I can't find the dude. And uh, I finally hear something. I look and he's under the couch, like under the flap of the couch. I'm like, how did he get here? She goes, I don't know. I'm like, so she tried to pick him up. She dropped him. So she stuffed him underneath the couch, <laughs> which 
I've wanted to stuff them under there many times since then, but the reality is you have to control the behavior of your kids when they're zero to five years old, but then it changes from five to somewhere. These numbers aren't hard and fast, but we developmentally- would say five, We'd say five to nine. Is yeah, somewhere five to nine, your, your, your role changes to directing them. You don't want to control every step. You just kind of direct where they go when they're five to nine. You kind of put parameters around and then you let them go and explore a little bit. We were just watching the Shagdon's kids as they were coming up and the Pax is letting them climb on a rock and kind of jump off of it. And that's cool. That's developmentally good. Now for a, a, a toddler, a two-year-old, you don't want them climbing, jumping off the rock. But for somebody four, five, six, you want to direct them, yeah, climb on the rock, kind of see how you do, and you're paying attention and so, you're watching. Some of y'all that have little kids, have you, I, I think that I could have made a lot of money if I would have, maybe I still do it, but have a button that says, I dress myself today, right? Have you ever wanted to, your kids leave the house with cowboy boots on and shorts, and you're just like, it's until my mentor was like, hey, you're more worried about what people think about you than your kid. Like, let him do that. It's not hurting anybody, right? But my control and direct want to say, don't judge me, he dressed himself. Or she won't wear that bow anymore, or the bow's 50 times bigger than her head, or whatever, like she did it. And that's where we as parents have to go and let it go. And I can't control that anymore. I want them to learn to be who they are. But you still have the direct and the teach yeah, as Different they get older, age, yeah. you need to move into that teach phase. So 9 to 13, somewhere in there, you're doing a lot of teaching. During their, yeah. And they're sponges. They're learning a lot during that phase. And then they shift somewhere between 13 to 17, where your role is really to influence them. Now, are you still teaching some? Absolutely. But are you controlling them? That's how you violate that principle where it says fathers don't exasperate your children. When they're 17 and you're still trying to control their behavior, you're going to create conflict in your home. Or when they're 21 and they're in the phase where you're supposed to be advising them and instead you're trying to direct every aspect of what they're doing, you're going to exacerbate them. And it's not going to work well for you as a parent. You're like, but my kid's still acting like a four-year-old. Well, okay, well, maybe we messed up a long time ago. That doesn't mean we keep messing up, all right? And then eventually they get to 22 and above and your role is really to encourage them. That's your role. You don't get to go back and control and direct at that stage. You may not like where things are going, but you're supposed to be there as an encouragement. So you've got to understand how old your kids are, where they are developmentally, and kind of what your role as a parent at each phase so that you can live out that biblical principle that God taught in Ephesians 6.4. The third biblical principle that's really important in parenting is to realize that there are lots of things that seem like it's an either or when in reality they're an and. You've got to find the balance between some continuums that seem like they don't make sense sometimes. Because staying in touch with both sides of an issue, it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, the person who deals responsibly with all of reality and not just a piece of it is the one who's going to be successful. So what do we mean practically there? Well, there's lots of continuums you need to balance in parenting. First one, it talks about um, when Jesus was in the New Testament, he talks about he was grace and truth for both right? We live in a society where it tends to be all grace or all truth, right? When I was being raised, it was Dr. Dobson, strong-willed child, which might have been me a little bit, right? And so my parents were truth, 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 all the way, truth. That's what, that, that's what everybody was saying. That's what the psychologists were saying. So then you swing the pendulum, which is what society does when something's in a, at extreme, right? So then you have Tim Kimmel, who, who wrote a book, Grace-Based Parenting, well, how's that working for you? If everything's about grace, now we need both. That's the thing. That's why Jesus said, are you, am I making you nervous? 
Usually, when you start um, swinging your arm, so I would never know. What that's why Jesus said to us in the Word, "Look, I'm both. I'm grace and truth." And so I am a grace parent. Like I'm just all about grace, and He's a truth parent. And so sometimes, a lot of the times, He'll have to pull me back in and like, "Hey, right now, Cody needs to hear some truth." Right? We've already given him some grace. It's time to extend some truth. And just to be honest, I would love to be a grace parent, but she's so much a grace parent that I have to be a truth parent. And so it's not, it's like a choice almost because you got to find balance in these things. The second one there says address the heart versus disciplined behavior. You need to understand at any given moment, two things are going on inside your child. The thing that you're seeing, the overt behavior and the underlying heart stuff that's motivating that. And it's very easy for us as parents. And at younger ages, when we're controlling and directing, we should discipline the behavior more. Somebody came to us just the other day talking about their son who's having a lot of anger outbursts and uncontrollable anger outbursts. It's like, how do I discipline that behavior? And it's like, yes, you need to discipline that behavior. But you also need to understand and try to figure out what's going on in their heart that's causing them to behave that way. Because that's not a consistent behavior over their whole life. It's something that's just started coming up. What are they feeling? There's some kind of fear? Is there some kind of hurt? Is there some kind of something that's causing them to act that way? You need to do both as a good parent. Understand the underlying behavior and discipline the thing that you're so seeing. So you can kind of, these are so many on here. Focus on kids, focus away from kids. I mean, we have, I, I, we have friends, we lived in Georgia for a while, and, and one of our set of friends has never taken a vacation, just the two of them, ever. And they've been married 19 years. So you want to see what those kids think? It's all about the kids, right? And so then they know how to manipulate. They go to one parent because they know... And so you have to balance, <clears throat> focus on your kids. Yes, you can do one activity because I'm not gonna get crazy busy with three activities with you because I wanna be able to have some energy for this, right? So what does it look like? Focus on kids, focus away kids. Present versus future. What does it look like to be present for your kids and then plan for future? You have to think about that. Shelter versus exposure. Yeah, there's a bunch of good continuums on there. We don't have to go through all of them. I think shelter and exposure is a big deal in our culture today. And you find people on either end of that continuum. You know, it's like it's all shelter and it's all, I'm only going to homeschool. I'm going to control every aspect of their environment. You know, I'm not going to expose them to anything on TV or radio. And uh, I'm going to, you know, there's some value in that. Both ends of this continuum are good, but it the, the other side, the, the exposure. I mean, there's another group of parents that their thought is, I'm going to, you know, everything. I want them to see everything. I want them to experience everything. I want them to do everything. And uh, you, in our little community of Wimberley, San Marcos, you're seeing people live out both ends of that continuum. But it's the balance of that as good parent. You're kind of like, all right, how much do I want them to see and experience while they're in my house so I can help them navigate how to do that well, how to do dating well, or how to handle that situation that comes up? While at the same time, it is my responsibility to make sure they don't see more than they should or have to process more than they should before time. All these behaviors, just a good list of things to realize that uh, you've got to have balance if you want to be a good parent. Um, for single parents, you may not have somebody there to balance you out. And so you're going to have to turn to the Lord and allow the Holy Spirit to be that balance. Um, have people around you to help yeah. uh, with difficult things. So that's another biblical principle. Again, we're trying to build our parenting and our families on God's word so that we walk in his path so that our foundation is secure and last. The fourth principle that is in God's word is this need that we have, uh, this 
just we're born with. We're born with certain core needs. Research bears it out over and over. The Bible talks about it. I, I love this verse where God actually speaks directly to Jesus as his son. And he says, this is my son. This is who you are. You're my son. And I love you and I'm proud of you. And saying those three things to Jesus kind of helped kick off his ministry uh, that lasted three years and changed the world. This is who you are. I love you and I'm proud of you. See, we all as humans have these core needs that need to be met. We were just... um, there's four, basically, that research has, has kind of bore out over time. Yeah, we were at an intensive, um, and the therapist started talking about these kind of four core needs um, of comfort, affection, acceptance, and approval. And they did this genogram with us, and it's, it was a highly effective for, for me personally and then for our marriage for sure. But they take the paternal and maternal grandparents, and you do these graphs, and it's really amazing. But they want you to filter between the ages of 9 and 15, what three, if, if three of the four of these needs were met in that person, then you were connected. You received that from that person. They say um, between the ages of nine and 15 is really where our fears get written on our hearts. Um, that's why kids, I mean, they, they can call out people all day long. Kids are so smart. If you want to know if someone's not safe, if you want to know if a space isn't safe, just ask your kid. They'll be able to tell you because they have that in them. So comfort affection, acceptance, and approval. And I'm not a good comforter by nature at all. But what I found when I was in this intensive, that confession with comfort, it changed our marriage a lot. When I was not so defensive, when I wanted to just comfort him because of who he is and whose he is, oh my gosh, it was transformational. So when we can show comfort to our kids, Man, and, and, and everything in me wants to discipline that behavior, but if we can show comfort first, that's amazing. And acceptance, um, and those just kind of go affection, and I talked about it earlier, affection, they, they're going to get affection somewhere, and approval, what does that look like? And in that verse that talks about Jesus and, and God the Father to him, do you realize Jesus hadn't even done anything? He wasn't saying, you went and saved 10,000 people, or you went and fed 5,000, all he said was, I got baptized, and I'm pleased with you. So tell your people you're proud of them, not for anything, not for grades, not for a score on the scoreboard, but just because of what, who God made them to be. There's a, that's really good, babe. There's, you know, so many things you could do on a heart level to try to minister to your kids, but the research bears out, and I could show you scripture after scripture that point back to these four. So target them. Ask yourself, how are you doing? If your kids are teenagers, ask them how you're doing and get them to give you a rating on those four and uh, do the best you can to love them and uh, communicate those four things and it'll change your relationship. It'll change them for sure. Another kind of biblical principle around parenting that we want to build our parenting on is the idea of safety. And the reality is that God as our father is ultimately safe. The Bible says he's our safe place and our strength. He's always our help when we're in trouble, so we will not be afraid. In other places, it says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. Parents, good parents are safe parents. We need to create safe homes and safe environments for our kids so they have a place to come. If you're a grandparent, what a great thing to be an emotionally and physically safe place and environment for your grandkids to come to. 
Yeah, I, when our kids were little, um, a couple things, when we didn't live where my mom and daddy lived, and we'd go see them, my, and my kids were trying to learn their words still back then, but they would always say, Grammy's and Daggy's house is safe. It's safe and it's peaceful, right? And so I always thought that we had to be, and so I had this long list for Sean, okay? When our kids are this age, we need to have a swimming pool, we need to have a tennis court, we need to have the trampoline, we need to have the swing set, like it all. I mean, a movie, a, a theater, because I want to be the funnest house on the block. That's why Christina's people are there. vision for parenting looks different than the one we put on the screen up there <laughs> earlier. But now we're, you know, 23 years into this, and our two, our older, are gone. And I'll tell you, when they were in high school, and some of you, um, Gavin was out of my house all the time. Like, we didn't, all we had in that whole list was a trampoline. Right? And I don't think, I mean, I still want a swimming pool. I cannot lie. But here's the deal. People, those guys and those girls were at our house, I mean, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and I know... There's so many of you out here that the same thing is happening because not because we were the funnest and we had the stuff, but because we were the safest. Man, we heard some of these kids' stories across our dining room table, and I would just, and it wasn't because, maybe it's because he's a therapist, I don't know, but um, it just felt like, man, we fed them a lot of food and we let them be safe. We let them be safe with their words. We let them be who they were. So man, safety is huge in parenting. So look at some of these behaviors on the screen that would create a safe environment for your kids if you want to be a great parent. And let me just say, we do the, a lot of these not good with, and our kids can testify. Some of them have been in therapy, just so you know. Um, (laughs) Criticizing anger, angry outbursts. I've really had to um, just, I, I used to be a very angry, bitter person. Threats. Well, this, it's the disciplining in anger that really, you, you got to be careful. You know, you want to take that moment to calm yourself down, call a timeout, send your kid away, yeah. whatever the case is, so that when you are ready to discipline, it's from a place of kind of sound heart and mind and not out of anger. Because if you spank a kid in anger, or even if you speak to a kid in anger with discipline, it kind of confuses them on what real discipline from the Lord looks like. We do need correction. We do need discipline, but it doesn't ever have to come from anger. Um, Ignoring issues, belittling, inconsistency, sarcastic humor. So when I met Sean, his mom had died when he was nine, and so his dad and sister, it was like the sixth love language for them, sarcasm. And so when I met him, I just didn't grow up with a home like that. And so now we banter back and forth pretty good. Sometimes I'll still, if I'm not in a good place, it'll get me. But sarcasm, I'm telling you, will close anybody down. And here's the deal with sarcasm. It is used because people don't want to know their real feelings. You know, you have that person in your life where you get a little bit close and she's about to tell you exactly how she feels. And then she's like, oh, I'm going to be sarcastic here because I don't want to go there. And then sarcastic comes in, sarcasm comes in. And so we used to do that with our kids, like so bad. And it's just so, it makes the home feel, feel very unsafe. The offering solutions without listening is one that uh, happened in my house a lot. My dad was a real fix-it guy. I mean, he would solve my problems before I even knew I had them. And, you know, it just didn't really give me enough time to voice what was going on inside me. And I catch myself doing that with my kids a lot. I'm like, well, you should do that different. Let me show you how to do that different. Life's going to be okay if you do it this way. And I don't pause. Part of why I don't comfort them as well as I should and it's part of kind of me getting stuck in one of those earlier developmental phases. I'm trying to, you know, direct and teach when in reality they just need some advice and then, you know, they wouldn't they want somebody to listen to them. And so all those things, there's so many things you can do to make your home feel safer and operate on that biblical 
principle. And if you put your mind to it, you can be a safe place. But we did as a couple, really. We took that verse, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. And we inserted the name Stover. And we don't do it all the time very well. In fact, we're, sometimes my words aren't safe with even friends and with family. But it, it's what I strive for. The, the Stover name is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. We really want that. Safety can change kids' hearts. The sixth biblical principle, last one we want to show you when it comes to parenting, is something we've kind of alluded to, but it's something God, as our Father, does for us. He allows us to make mistakes, and He allows us to live the consequences of our mistakes. And it's really important. We have to understand that God gave us free will and choice. And in that choice, we make bad choices sometimes, and the result of that Choice is a negative consequence, and God allows that because that's what brings us back to Him. That's what brings us back to deep, intimate relationship. That's the same thing we have to do as parents. We talked about it earlier, but you have to let your kids fail sometimes. You've got to allow them to suffer and live through the consequences of their behavior so that they can learn and move forward. That's what a good parent and a good father does. So... Can I tell one story real fast? Yes. Okay. Kate and Taylor were in high school, and uh, there was a breakup situation that happened, and hearts were broken. And so some words were said about another family, and it was hurtful. It was hard. It was nasty. It was hard. And I remember we talked through it, and our kids were very remorseful. But I remember Sean saying, okay, we'll be right back. We're going over to this family's house. And I'm like, wait, what? And he was like, yeah, we're going over to so-and-so's house. We'll be back. I'm like, what are you going to do there? And he's like, our children are going to look at the parents' eyes and the children's eyes and tell them they're sorry. Their words are hurtful. I was like, that seems brutal, right? <laughs> that was a consequence of, of their action, right? Now, it's probably, you know, y'all, some of y'all are like, y'all are really harsh. We probably are. But I'll tell you that that changed the way people were talked about. And, and the consequences, like, this is it, man. You hurt somebody with your words, and here, we're going to take a tangible thing. We're going to drive you over there. And we've had to do that multiple times. I've had to drive to people's house and say, I'm sorry, because there are consequences to our behavior. Yeah, so to sum it all up, Jose has kind of had this let's go theme, and he's talked about let's go, um, let's go higher, let's go deeper, and let's go farther. And we really want to encourage you that in, in, in your parenting. We want you to do that. We want you to go higher. Have a bigger vision for your parenting and for your kids. Be intentional about where you want to go and where you want to see them when they're 25, 26 years old. Uh, we want you to go deeper with them. Do some devos. Pray with your kids. Let them pray with you. you know, shape their behavior toward God in a deeper way over the course of the next month or two. And then go farther as a family. I mean, serve together. Go out and do a mission project. Help somebody else in the community. Um, but go farther together as a family and go farther in your parenting we have God. He's our example. He is our Father. And there's so many scriptures that point to that. And uh, I love to think of him in that role because parenting just means the world to me. I love getting to do it. I love the kids we've been blessed with. We're so thankful. Um, they make me laugh. They bring me joy. They've taught me so much. And God is ultimately our Father, and He does that for us. Our daughter got married a year ago, a year and a couple months ago. And so... Um, Everybody was like, Sean's a crier. He, I don't know why he didn't cry today, but he didn't cry today, but he's a crier. And so everybody was like, are you going to marry Taylor? And I was like, no, because it'll just be, yeah, all, all the time. And he cried the whole day. It was kind of sweet. And so we joked about having not a ring bearer, but a Kleenex bearer for him. But, um, <laughs> so anyway, going up, she went down the aisle. And, and when Jose said to her, said to, uh, to Sean, who gives this woman 
And you know, I'm just thinking, this is, I'm just gonna have to stand up and go, we do, we do, you know, because he can't. But he grabbed the microphone and here's what he said. He said, well, really? I'm crying. (laughs) Seriously? He's like, she's really never been ours to give, right? We get to steward her. She's a precious gift. And if you think about that, man, God has blessed us with five children. I don't know how many he's gonna bless you with or you with or you with or how many he has. But if you think about how much we love them, can you think about how much the Father loves them? And why would we not want to steward them the best that we can? And it doesn't mean giving them the best of the best, but it means giving them the best of the best. Here, this is it. And so when he said that and he looked at Austin and was like, man, she's really just been a gift. And now she's your gift. And that's why it says in the word that children are a gift from God. And let's steward them the way God wants. So we're gonna make mistakes, yes. This side of heaven, yes. And it is not for the faint of heart. Do not think this is an easy journey. It is hard as heck. But do it. And do it well. Because man, it's such an amazing. Our relationship with our two older are so fun. And now we're stewarding two more littles. And I'm just saying it is a fun journey but you have to be equipped in the word of God. Let's pray. Will you stand up if you're a parent just so we can pray all together? Stand up, no matter how old your kids are, if you're a parent of some age or another, adopted somebody, if you've, you know, whatever the case is, let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for uh, loving us, for giving us the opportunity um, to be here together, to hear your word, to worship together, to collectively think about what it looks like to come to your mountain and hear your truth. Help us, Lord, to be bold in loving each other well. Help us, Lord, to apply your wisdom in our marriages, in our parenting, in our homes, in our families, in our community. Help us to be bold as we scatter out into this community to be examples and light. And Lord, for whoever is out here today that is desiring a child, Lord, and has been struggling with that, I pray that you would bless them with that gift. And for those that you have given children to, I pray that as Christina just said, we would love them well as a representative and ambassador of you. And for those of us around that just need to encourage other parents around, help us to do that. Come alongside people who need it. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you for your presence in our life. We pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.